the Wrong Side of the Red Line Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Well, today is uh, December 19th, 2016. Ryan, do you know why December 19th is an important date in Dallas Stars history? Nope, I do not. What if I told you something important happened on this day 21 years ago today? Um, well, when I was 21 years, uh, no, when I was 21 years ago to this day, I was four years old, so I wouldn't have known, but I'm guessing it has something to do with this franchise moving to Dallas from Minnesota. No, good guess, but you're wrong. Oh, that would have been in 93. We're talking about 1995, December 9th. Oh man, I was off by so much. (laughs) Clearly math is not a strength of this podcast. Uh, (laughs) Um, December 19th, 1995, it was a day the uh, Dallas Stars made a trade with the Calgary Flames. Trading Joe Newendike, trading for Joe Newendike, um, trading away Jerome Ginla, who happens to still be in the NHL today. Did that really happen in 95? I thought that happened a couple of years after that. December 19th, 1995. Huh. 21 years ago today. Interesting. Jerome McGinley is still playing in the NHL today, and his trade is now old enough to legally buy a drink. (laughs) Not that trades can buy drinks, but you get what I'm saying. If only. If only. That'd be be fascinating if trades would come in and buy drinks. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, Boston fans who wish the Tyler Sagan trade could buy them drinks. To bring this podcast back to the present. To bring this back to the present. And and, re- and speaking of reasons to buy drinks and reasons to celebrate, uh, you were right, Ryan. What else is new? I'm always right. <laughs> last week, for those who listened last week, we went through a... Uh, we basic, and, and Ryan even made sure to put his thoughts in writing as well to further hammer home the point that the goaltending duo of uh, Antti Niemi and Kari Lennon aren't to blame for the uh, Dallas Stars struggles and if you needed any stretch of games to further prove that you can take a look at this uh, the th- first three games of this homestand where they have been where Antony Emmy started the last three games and uh, the only loss they got shut out one nothing and uh, the goaltending was very good once again well technically two nothing with the last was an empty net goal that's true and if you read the piece I specifically stated in there that the Stars continue to do dumbass plays at the offensive blue line on the power play. And lo and behold, in that game, Jamie Benn makes a dumbass play at the offensive blue line that leads to a Rick Nash shorthanded breakaway goal. So I feel like I should send Auntie a Christmas card and said, hey, thanks for uh, picking this three-game stretch to play out of your mind instead of waiting for some random date in the middle of February to do that. Well, he's always – he's been very – I mean, it is, I made this joke to someone in – the other day, and uh, you'd be you if you didn't look at the numbers, you wouldn't believe me. But you know how there's sometimes people throw out that scenario: if you could pick one goalie to win one game, you know that that that, that hypothetical. If you could pick it's Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals, and you need one goalie to win one game, who do you pick? No matter, and you could pick anyone. If that game was going to be played at American Airlines Center, you pick Antony Emmy. Yeah, his home record is unreal this year. I mean, his. Uh, Ante, let me pull this up because I want to get this exactly correct here. Um, Antti Niemi at home. Where, is this, where are the splits for this? Hold on. 
at home at American Airlines Center. Antony Emi has started 10 games. He's 7-2-1, has a 1.81 goals against average and 9.43 save percentage at home. That's pretty good. That's really good. That's, that's, I, I, that's, that's elite-level goaltending, believe it or not, for those really? people who don't... Yeah. Uh, People who don't uh, who, who didn't accept the point from last week, right? And you know, I'm sure you'll see people out there on the interweb saying he's playing out of his mind. He's bound to come crashing down to earth. Which no, not necessarily, because now he's up to nine thirteen on the season in terms of overall save percentage, which is pretty close to in line with his career norm, mm-hmm. and. I would say that if the star, I mean, not maybe not now because the stars still really haven't figured. I mean, you know, they go out and drop six against Anaheim and then look anemic again. Mm-hmm. But if the stars can figure out their offense and get it to the level that it was last year, nine fifteen goaltending for this team is probably good enough. Well, and most if you look at it, the stars have let up uh, eight goals. Not sorry, eight goals. They've let up sixteen goals in the last eight games. That's that's pretty good. That's two goals a game. You should be yeah, winning. That you, should win you. If I told you, you win you a lot of games, even if your offense isn't performing at elite levels. Yeah, you'd like to think that your offense could get you two goals a game, and sometimes it can, sometimes it can't. That's the that's the biggest issue with this team: consistently inconsistent. The story of the Dallas mm-hmm. Stars. Um, the we we touched, and I'm not going to rehash that entire argument because it not argument was kind of because we were in agreement. But I'm not going to rehash that entire discussion. If if you want to learn more about why the Dallas Stars goaltending is not their fault, go listen to the last episode if you didn't listen to that. But I do want to point. Or go out, read the article because that kind of condenses it into a nice little seven minute read instead of listening to us babble for twenty minutes. Or you can do both. I mean, you should do both. You should do I both. Mean, you could do both. Definitely do both. Come on. <laughs> but I do want to take a look. I do want to just point out and talk about this the start of this five-game homestand. And they've played three so far. They play uh, They play tomorrow. Um, we, record, we record on Mondays. They're playing on Tuesday. Um, and it's this is a homestand that we talked about being really important for this team season. And, and they could lose the next two, and it could be – and, and everything could be, okay, well, they're just consistently consistent again. But they're starting to get the wins, and the one game they lost was a game they probably out, they outplayed the Rangers. They did outplay the Rangers. They were the better team that game. They they just seemingly couldn't hit the nets. Um, Henrik Lundqvist was very good, too, even with Cody Eakin trying to knock him out. <laughs> <laughs> knock him out for the game. Probably playing, probably playing the last two thirds of that game, pissed off. Yeah, and it was it was Lundqvist's first game start after he had watched uh, Antti Ranta start four straight games. So it was another uh, pissed off for that reason too. Yeah, and then he so he and he officially it's funny because he officially it's a quirk of the NHL rule book. If two goalies play in a game, you officially don't get there's neither goalie gets credit for a shutout. So according to the official NHL rule book, according to the official stat sheet, Henrik Lundqvist didn't get a shutout for that game. It was technically a combined shutout, which hard to believe in the entire history of the New York Rangers, that was the first combined shutout in franchise history, which is hard to believe because that franchise has been around for a long time. Right, but I mean, unless a goalie gets hurt, you're generally not playing two goalies in a game where you're not allowing a goal. Yeah, but there's a lot of time there where I think you could have... 
I just need the law okay. of average. I mean, when you look, yeah, that's true. I wonder how, do you know how many combined shutouts there have been in NHL history? I don't know. I, I'm not asking this as a trivia question. I'm asking because I'm genuinely curious. I, I don't, we don't have a producer yet. That's, that's, I, I, <laughs> speaking of which, we're hiring an intern. If you want to produce this podcast, Yes, that's definitely. Well, well, we'll throw the posting on. Uh, I don't even know where you post for interns for po- podcast or podcast producing interns. <laughs> so, speaking, staying, staying with that game and working with transitions here. Uh, in that game, obviously, was the uh, the moment many people in the league were talking about, where uh, Cody Eakin. Uh, Mows over uh, Henrik Lundqvist behind the net. Rightfully gets a four-game suspension. Um, we had been talking about the uh, when it first happened. You and I were, were talking about it and discussing it. Uh, how I thought I actually had, I'm going to pat myself on the back. No one else publicly knows, but I called it perfectly. I said probably three games, but probably going to see four games because of who got ran over. Yep, and. It's it's a play where I think the good thing is that the stars have moved on and accepted it because I think I think that let a lot of the controversy die a little bit. There was a bunch of people I read some things about there was a bunch of outrage on Twitter um, that he shouldn't have gotten suspension. He was what else is he supposed to do? He's trying to get out of the way. But if you're looking at the letter of the law and you're looking at the rules. You can't hit the goalie there. That's just that's just in the rule book. I, you, if you want to argue whether the rule is right or wrong, we can do that. But as far as the rule goes, it was it was the right call, and frankly, it was not a uh, it wasn't a smart decision by Eakin. He needs to uh, he needs to avoid that situation. No, and it's not like I don't really know how people can say he was trying to avoid him because he kind of just came. I mean, he got he clearly didn't try to. I don't want to say it looked like he clearly tried to hit him, but he really didn't do a whole lot to not run him over the way he did. And granted, you could say Lundqvist kind of moved a little bit towards the glass there at the end as Egan was trying to jump by, but he had to know in the back of his head that he was in too deep at that moment because there was no way he was getting past Henrik Lundqvist without making some sort of contact with him there. And he could have done. I mean, if you look, there's a couple of things he could have done. And, and obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. He got himself in too deep. He can take a different path. He can go. He can try. When he's he can there. He you don't see any effort for him to try and go outside of Lundqvist because every I keep hearing people say he tried to jump or get around him on the glass. If he was trying to get around him, I think you might have seen him try and jump around the outside of Lundqvist. Um, or you try and stop, which there was obviously no effort to that. And he was. Mm-hmm. May, um, so I don't see it was it was the right call by it was the right call by NHL player safety to give him four games. Now, if you want to look at it by comparison on another on another uh, penalty that they uh, another suspension they handed out that day to uh, to a uh, to Hoffman with Ottawa who only got two games for cross checking to a head. I, I think they really botched that one. That one. You're talking about intent and head contact. That should have been four games, but yeah, there seems to be a lot of that with suspensions handed down. Agreed. But the moral of the story is, I think it was it wasn't a bad. It was the right call on the uh, on the Eakin suspension, and he needs to uh, he needs to avoid 
that situation. He just needs to to be smarter about it. Uh, yeah, more moral of the story: don't hit the goalie. Don't hit the goalie. No, and and it wasn't even it, and it's not even like a. Uh, it's a play. Even remember when uh, when Milan Lucic ran over Ryan Miller. I do. That was a play too where. Miller, and I'm not saying that was a good play, I'm just saying in general, that was a play where Miller was doing something out of the realm of what's normal for a goalie, where he was coming out and playing a puck around the faceoff dot, mm-hmm. where this was a play where you see goalies go stop the puck behind the net 20 times a night, 20 times a game. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it's not, it's, there's not even, I don't even see a defense there where there was a somewhat uh, abnormality you could, you could defend with it. Agreed. With, uh, I mean, the other thing now for the stars, and it just, it, and it's interesting, and we've talked about it, and I think, and I, <laughs> I hate to once again harp on the eight defenseman thing, but this shows another problem with the eight defensemen. Because right now, with Econ on suspension, the stars only have 12 healthy forwards available. There's if somebody has say somebody other than Jamie Ben made the mistake he did to let up the Rick Nash goal. Give me a uh, say it was a uh, say say Curtis McKenzie t- turns that puck over and Rick Nash goes up and scores the game winning goal. <sighs> oh, poor guy would be on the bench for the next two months. But he can't right now. But he can't because because yeah. you, you're carrying you're carrying eight defensemen. And you only have twelve healthy forwards because Cody Eakin is on the because uh, Cody Eakin's suspended, and so you only have twelve healthy forwards. And the only way you're going to have another forward in the lineup is if somebody gets hurt and you can make an emergency recall. Mm-hmm. So it's it, they're just it's showing and it's making it's just further cementing the point and further showing that the eight defenseman system doesn't work. And we've talked and we've harped on this. It's a, it's not it's a running theme for this season. It's a running theme for the past two years for the stars. But I was I was trying I was thinking I was playing the scenarios around in my head, which I guess you could it's not fun scenarios because you don't want to see an injury. But what if somebody was to you're at a point right now where say somebody got nicked up slightly, say somebody takes a shot off an ankle and you want them and they're going to have to miss one game. Well, you're having make you're making the decision right now. You can put them on the seven day injured reserve. And then they have to miss seven days, and you have to call somebody up, and you can call somebody up, or you're going to say we're going to have them play through it. <laughs> it's, 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 it ha- carrying on, having only twelve healthy forwards right now with this schedule is, it's it's idiotic right now. Yeah, and Johnny O'D out tomorrow night too. Johnny O'D is out tomorrow night. Yeah, so right there, you're already, you're down to one spare body right now. One spare healthy body. Patrick Sharp did practice. So Patrick Sharp did practice today, and he is "quote unquote" getting closer. Um, but once again, he's dealing with concussion stuff, and that's. I can imagine that they're not going to want to rush him back from that either. No one should. No one should want him to be rushed back from that. If there's anything you want someone to be completely careful with, it's it's concussion stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's. So yeah, one 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 extra, basically, essentially one healthy extra body, extra body for. Uh, Tomorrow's for the Tuesday game with the Blues, and if uh, either way, Jamie Alexiak or Patrick Nemeth will be sent a message they don't want to receive tomorrow when the lineup is set. Right. Because 
Because Alexia, if Alexia X out, you're you're going through and you're saying, well, he still hasn't played since the suspension, and all the good things you did before that suspension, we completely forgot about it. That's what you're saying to Alexia. If he, that's what you're saying to Alexia if he's the healthy scratch tomorrow. If Patrick Nemeth, much, yeah. if Patrick Nemeth is the healthy scratch, you're saying you can't get in the line. You're never getting the lineup. <laughs> Remember when we said that about Jamie Alexiak about five weeks ago? Yeah. I don't even know what to think with this defense corp anymore. It's. I mean, they've been better. They've been better lately. You got to give it credit. For, you got to give credit for that. I think you are kind of. You're close to a six that are pretty. You're getting closer to a six that you can consistently roll out. Um, you're you're at least you at least have a. Uh, a consistent pairing for John Klingberg now with Esselindel. And you have you're starting to get some more consistency below that. And it's and it's and it's getting better. We, as we mentioned, they've let up 16 goals in the last eight games. The defense has been getting better. They've actually amazingly they've played two on one slightly better now. Uh, over I there's no way this is true, but what if this was the greatest long con in the history of the NHL? What if they said, you know what, we're going to play two-on-ones where we're going to slide out of position for 30 games, but at game 31, all of a sudden, our entire defense is going to, like that, figure out how to play two-on-one correctly. And just, just, what if it was the greatest long con in the history of the NHL? I don't know how to respond to that. (laughs) (laughs) You're not one for my conspiracy theories on two-on-ones? No, not really. I mean, they're, they're positives, though. The, the PK is getting a little bit better. It's, I mean, it's still not good at all, but it's not worse than the league anymore. Defense isn't worse than the league anymore. So, I mean, there's positives to take out of it. Um, hopefully, those positives continue to manifest themselves as we get closer to 2017. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of positives right now. They've won two out of the last three. They... The one game they lost, they played well, and they on Saturday they beat the, the hottest team in the NHL, who had won ten straight in Philadelphia, and they were they were very well disciplined against Philadelphia, and that's the way you have to beat Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a team that makes its living on the power play, and the Stars' only penalty, minor penalty they took, um, came with uh, I think it was two fifty eight or two forty eight remaining on a hook, and they killed it. So they were. It was a, uh, there's a lot of positives right now. I mean, there's a hustle. We have to talk about it because I don't know how many times we'll ever get to talk about a Jason Spezza fight. Probably the only time, if we're being honest. Did you see the, uh, did you see the cartoon? I did. That was pretty funny. Jason Spezza also saw it. I asked him about it today. He, he was, he was pretty happy with it. He, he thought it was a pretty good <laughs> Nice. He thought it was pretty good. He said, uh, he also said that this fight will probably, uh, will hopefully last him at least another seven years before he has to fight again. Uh, oh, God. If he has to fight, what's he, he's like, what, 32, 33 now? If he has to fight that late in his career, something will have gone horribly wrong. Is he even going to be playing in seven more years? I don't even know if he's going to be playing in seven more years. Maybe he's got a, maybe he's decided to go into MMA post career. I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, boxing that'd be something else uh, for the record i don't i don't think jason Spezza is going to be a pugilist the one way your career choice can get more dangerous after playing hockey 
I also don't think Jason Spezza has the financial need to go out and uh, fight for a living after <laughs> his hockey career is over. Probably not. I really hope that ends up being the turning point in this season for this team. That would be nice to be a good, I mean, that was a game. Yeah, hell of a story to talk about in April. Yeah. Hell of a story. I mean, a game, a game that turned around where Jason Spezza got in a, was, was the guy who set a spark, set a spark by fighting. And then Radic Fox and Adam Cracknell, we were goal scorers and Jordy Ben into as, an empty net. As Jim Neal drew it up back in August, just as he drew it up, just as he drew it up. <laughs> What'd you, who, do you, who did you give the win in the Spezza fight? Um, I don't really think Manning got too many good punches on him, but I mean, I don't think Spezza really... It was kind of a... I'd, I'd have to say a slight lean towards Spezza considering my inherent stars bias and the fact that I don't really care for Brandon Manning after that whole Connor McDavid thing. Somebody somebody sent me a tweet that Connor McDavid will send uh, Jason Spezza a Christmas card after that. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that one too. That was pretty good. I'd give the I'd give the fight a slight lean to Spezza if it was two guys who were uh, and just because of who was fighting. If it was two guys who were uh, frequent uh, frequent combatants, I probably would have called it a draw. But just considering past history right. and. Uh, Going off the, my judges' scorecard that way, I'd give a I'd give a uh, Jason Spezza a slight split decision victory. Don't know how it I can give it. It didn't look bad at all. No, all things considered, it was his fifth fight of his career. His first one came in two thousand four against Patrick Sharp. I wonder if they talked about that when Sharp got traded. They've talked about it quite a bit, actually. Um, That's funny. They've they've talked about it quite a bit, and. Uh, Neither of them. Well, Patrick Sharp hasn't been available to talk to the media because of since he's under concussion protocol. But Spezza, Spezza would not give me a clear answer of who they thought won the fight back in two thousand four. <laughs> <laughs> that was. If you ever want to look that up, that was the. Uh, and I'll drop the link in when we share the podcast on the uh, when we put when I put the post up with it. That was the brawlathon between Ottawa and Philadelphia where. I think almost everyone fought in that game. It was just a bit of a... Uh, was, that was post-lockout, or was that pre-lockout? That, that was pre-lockout. Yeah, pre-lockout. Yeah, I believe it was pre-lockout. I have to double-check on that. Um, but it was fight where just, it just seemed everyone, all Ottawa and Philadelphia, just it, they decided they were going to take it back to 1980s, uh, 1980s hockey and... Trying to recreate slap shot. It'd be a really neat little social media bit if the stars had them sit down in a room together and watch highlights of that game together and narrate it. Well, that's and, a, and then narrate their fight under under projects. I wish I could do if Patrick Sharp wasn't under concussion protocol. I'd want an oral history of the 2004 fight between Jason Spezza and Patrick Sharp. <laughs> Save it for later in the year. Yeah. You can save it for that five-day... Uh, During the bye, right? ...day break they have. I mean, I'm going I'm to write that down. I'm going to remember to do that. <laughs> after that, the, uh, after the fight against Philadelphia, we also had... Uh, and we're going to talk about... Um, 
We're going to talk about some future stars in a little bit, obviously, World Junior, but doing a, a throwback real quick before, uh, speaking of throwing things back and, and remembering former days of the stars, after that Philadelphia game, there was a, they had an alumni game. Um, they had an alumni game at American Airlines Center, which was kind of split teams between uh, combination teams of uh, some alumni, some Dallas police officers, uh, I was kind of I was half watching while uh, I was writing my writing my story from the press box, but uh, by far the uh, the star of the uh, of the alumni game was uh, Eddie Belfour. <laughs> who was he not even was he not even playing goalie? Eddie Belfour was he skating out, skating out. He scored a really, he actually scored a really pretty goal against Marty Turco, um, and. Uh, Scored a pretty goal against Marty Turco, and then he hit the post on a one-timer later, and uh, that was uh, that was kind of a fun way to see after the game ended there. Uh, the uh, I did I did enjoy the uh, they had Marty Turco mic'd up, and so he was being voiced over the PA system. Along so was uh, uh, Craig Ludwig and Daryl Ray were also had had microphones that were over the PA, and I enjoyed the comment where at one point. Uh, Razor, uh, Razor, Razor was talking to Turco, and this is over the PA system, and said, "You better watch out. Better, better be careful when you stray from your net. Otherwise, they may have a have a Cody Eakin plan for you." So, <laughs> I, enjoy, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that topical humor. <laughs> oh, good news! I didn't bomb my biology final. Oh, that's really good news. Cool. Is that a written? Anyway, was that a yeah. written, written final? Multiple choice. Yeah, multiple choice. With a, with a lab element? Yeah, but that wasn't part of the final. That was a different aspect of it. Yeah, well, I haven't taken a biology class in six or seven years, so probably no more than I do. You haven't been in school for six or seven years. Wait. Hold when on. did you graduate? 2011. It's been almost six years since you graduated. Yeah, so it's been longer since. Thanks for making me feel old, Ryan. Now you know how I feel on a daily basis, bud. <laughs> <laughs> that was your own decision. <laughs> I know. Let's not talk about that right now. Anywho, another, uh, let's talk about other things that will make us feel old. The fact that the uh, World Junior Championships are coming up. Uh... That's made me feel old since before I even left college the first time. Yeah, and I mean, how old are they? So, how old are they? What year were the uh, play, World Junior? So, 98 is the. These are 98s and 99s, I think. Yeah. Technically, te- technically, Connor McDavid could play in World Junior this year if he wanted to. Yes. There's quite a few NHL players who could still play World Juniors this year. I had a laugh. I think it was Bob McKenzie sent the tweet out that said Hockey Canada did not ask the Oilers to loan Connor McDavid. I would have asked. You know what? I just just for the sake of that phone call, I would have made that five minute phone call if I was Hockey Canada. Just if I was Peter Shirelli, I would have laughed and hung up in your face. I would have laughed, hung up, called you back, laughed some more, and then hung up again. Now here's how my conversation would have gone. My co- I would have called Connor McDavid first, and I would have gotten Con- 
I would have gotten Connor McDavid in on this. And then when I called Peter Shirelli, if you're Peter Shirelli and I'm a hockey candidate, I would have called and said, hey, Connor thinks it's really important to play in World Junior. It's his last chance. He, 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 <laughs> he, really, he really expressed how much it would mean to him. Um, he, he enjoyed the World Cup, but playing for Team North America didn't really get his national pride going like, like World Junior will. It, it would mean him a lot to bring uh, pride back to our country to win a gold medal in this. And Connor's on board for this completely. Uh, and we just need you to sign off on it, and he, he'll, be, uh, he'll be in camp with us. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Canada <laughs> winning another gold, they're kind of not very good in this tournament. Not recently. Historically. No, not recently. They've uh, only medaled four of the last seven years. They've only won one gold since John Carlson crushed Canadian dreams in 2010. That's still one of my favorite games of all time, regardless of sport. Yeah. Just the back and forth nature of that. That was a great game. And of course, of course the way it ended too was obviously excellent. Mm-hmm. That was the. Was, that was just a great game. Was that that was the Jack Campbell American Hero game, right? That was the Jack Campbell American Hero game. One could argue if John Carlson didn't score that goal, that maybe Jack Campbell doesn't get. Speaking of, if we're going to talk about butterfly effect, if Jack if Jack Campbell gives up a goal in that overtime, maybe he doesn't turn into super hyped American prospect Jack Campbell, and the Stars never draft him in the first round of the draft the next year. <sighs> You're going real butterfly effect on this one. That's, that's, like, could you imagine that in some weird alternate universe, or some weird alternate universe? Who who was there? Who started that game? It was like Mike Lee or something like that. If he didn't crap his pants in the first two periods, and Jack Campbell never gets in that game, in some weird alternate universe, Jack Campbell's a starting goalie in the NHL right now, and he was like a fourth round draft pick <laughs> because he never played in the 2010 World Junior Gold Medal game. This is like the. Uh, this is like giving me the ideas of like a history element of like you know like was it oh what's what's the uh, it, it's a common plot in time travel movies obviously I can't remember which one I'm thinking of right now but where you go back in time and you change one thing and then you were never and then you change one thing eighty years ago and all of a sudden you were never born I feel like there's like. Have you seen the show? I don't remember what the show is called or what the name of the show is. It's just a bunch of it's the it's just a bunch of numbers and it's the date that Kennedy was assassinated. I've seen commercials and, for it. And J, and James Franco goes back in time to stop JFK's assassination. And I'm just going to spoil this for everyone because I don't really care. He stops JFK's assassination and then he comes back to the present time and the US is uh, is a complete dystopian society where we're in perpetual nuclear war. And they're like, yeah, there was another Cuban missile crisis type thing. And JFK just got us into a nuclear war. And he's like, Oh shit, I need to go back and undo this. Like it's stuff like that. I know what you're talking. It's like stuff like that. Yeah. So the the hockey butterfly effect where like, if uh, you think back to, to even farther, even longer ago when uh, if say, remember when, did you ever see the classic picture from the Canada, Russia, Canada USSR series where JP Parisi is all the way cocked and about to slash the Russian with his stick. Yeah. Imagine if he connects, just think about that. Imagine if he connects and JP Parisi never gets out of Russia. Zach Parisi never plays in the NHL. Zach Parisi probably never exists then. Yeah. Hockey butterfly effect. Right. 
good Lord, you can think of all the weird things that have happened since then that would have changed. The Devils probably never make it to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2012. Then there's no free agent bonanza after the year where him and Ryan Suter go to Minnesota, which means Minnesota probably overpays for someone else who's aging on a, a bad back. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I, I like thinking stuff like that. It's it's completely pointless to do, but it's like, man, what if this one little thing happened differently? What all would be different? Yeah. What if what if what if JP Parisi connected with the Russian player when he and changed and changed the course of the NHL as we know it? What were the, what were those old history will be made commercials? What if Gretzky never suited up? What if Lemieux missed the net? Yeah. What if J.P. Parise committed felonious assault <laughs> on a Russian hockey player? I think we've. I think we have a. Uh, we. I think I've. We have the thought line here for an audio drama of a second podcast. Now we've already got enough thought lines. We've already got. We've got. We've got. We've got a historical d- element. We've got Yuri Hoodler episodes of House. I mean, we. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I think our radio drama company is next. Oh God. Just starting the media empire from yeah. humble beginnings. Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone listening right now can say they were there then, when before uh, two idiots decided they they thought they could. They could before two idiots thought they could be uh, they could start a uh, radio drama like like the old Supermans of like the 1930s. Like it's a bird, it's a plane. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think anyone who regularly listens to this podcast probably stopped listening after that whole that. Agreed. So Why are they talking about butterfly effects? Wasn't that a really bad movie in the early two thousands? What does this have to do with hockey? Let's get let's get back on track. World Junior, um, <laughs> World Junior anyway, uh, starts so this week. There is a tie in here. Anyway, oh god, where, where are you going now? Completely. No, I'm to the two thousand ten gold medal game. Okay, that's World Junior. I'm going to start this introduction. I'm going to hijack your introduction by saying that this might be the best United States team since that 2010 team that beat Canada in the gold medal game. Are you saying after the Coyotes decide, after the Maple Leafs decide to let Austin Matthews go and play and make a last minute decision? Well, if that were to happen, then this might be the best world junior team of all time. Okay. Not really, but. There's an inordinate amount of talent on this United States team. It's a very good this team. Year. It's a very good it's, team. They actually have more forward first-round picks on their roster than Canada does this year, which I don't know the last time we've been able to say that. And the funny part about that is arguably the two most explosive players on this American forward group weren't even first-round picks. You have Alex DeBrinkett second round pick last year who's absolutely eviscerating the OHL this year mm-hmm. and Jeremy Bracco was a second round pick two summers ago I want to say who's likewise destroying the OHL this year so this is probably going to be an American team that scores a lot of goals this year Debrink it's a fun player to watch. I saw him play in a. I saw him play live. I've seen him play a little bit on, on video, obviously, but I also saw him play uh, in uh, Traverse City too with uh, with Chicago, and he's he's a hell of a player to watch. He's, he's crafty. Yeah, he's Not, a guy that if you put 
four inches on him. He was probably a top ten pick last year. Oh, easily. I mean, he's what five seven. So if you yep. if you got him up to six foot, easily. That's still the dumbest thing I think in sports these days. You're five seven. You can't play in this league. Marty yeah. St. Louis was like five four. I don't. Th- and he played for seventeen years. He wasn't really five four. He was like five seven or something like yeah. that. Yeah, but. You get the point. I get the point. Yes, I get the point. Marty, Marty St. Louis also had more muscle mass in his calves than I do on my entire body. So he was a freak of nature. You want to know the shortest NHL player in uh, NHL history officially? Who? Roy Shrimp Waters, who was a Canadian, uh, played for the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Montreal Canadiens, New York Americans. He had 66 shutouts in his career despite being 5'3". Oh, was this something that you previously knew or something you just looked up right now? I'll be honest. I, add, I added the 66 shutouts when I, when I Googled it to confirm and make myself make sure I knew I didn't come off as an idiot. I did know that Roy Ward. <laughs> I, I did. I did. And I knew that. His, and I didn't know his first name officially. I knew Shrimp Waters was, his, was the uh, shortest player in NHL history, but I didn't want to look like an idiot. So I Googled it and, uh, and then just read the first line of his Wikipedia bio to you. <laughs> <laughs> So now when the next time you're out at Trivia Night with your friends and they ask you who the shortest player in NHL history was, thanks to this podcast, you know. Roy Shrimp Warders. Warders spelled W-O-R-T-E-R-S in case there's a spelling element. <laughs> and shrimp is spelled just like it sounds. <laughs> the crustacean. Yes, like the crustacean. Let's get back on track, please. Just <laughs> You were talking about America. Yes, I was talking about – I'm just excited to see this group together because it's – you know, you – maybe it's partly the way that they just got completely wrecked in the World Cup doing mm-hmm. this stupid roster construction where you have grinders and blah, 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 blah. But there's only – the only player, at least among the forward group, who is significantly less than a pointer game with his respective team this year is Kiefer Bellows with BU. And he probably would have been on this team anyway. Every single other forward that they have on this team is either at, is either one below a point per game or above a point a game. So they're going to pretty much be rolling four lines that can score. They have a really good defensive group. It's an older team too this year. I think there's only two draft eligibles on the United States mm-hmm. team this year. Um, let me confirm that. The goalie, uh, Jake Ottinger, who I think will probably end up starting for them. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Jack Aiken, defenseman who's having a really good year at St. Cloud. So this will be a fun team to watch. You think uh, for the Spars connection, do you think uh, Sassoni makes the team? It's going to be close. Probably not. Yeah. I don't think he will. Just nothing against him. Just the defenseman that he has to compete against. Well, I'll be honest. He was, a, he was a late add, too. So, I mean, he's kind of... I mean, not that there's really, I mean, you're, they're all playing the same type of schedule, so it's not necessarily like there's a disadvantage to being a late ad. But I mean, I just, I think that the, to be bluntly honest, the guys in front of him are better. Well, and to be, I'll be honest, I think him, him being added to the team, being in the selection camp is a victory in itself for the Stars prospect system. Because I would have never had him, if you had asked me before the season, I would have never expected him to be even in the selection camp uh, group. Right. So, and if you look at his numbers this year at Michigan, there's nothing that jumps out as saying this guy is a potential. This guy has 
top six potential or anything like that. You know, he was a late round pick that you take and hope that he blooms into something. And he's a good stay at home defenseman. And that's essentially what he is. And he's and defensemen like that aren't going to make an impact in a short selection camp that, uh, that others, that, that another type of player might make. And I mean, he is, I think the one thing that he would have going for him is he is, significantly the biggest guy that they have on their roster right now Mm -hmm. in terms of defensemen. Everyone else is, I mean, you have Caleb Jones, younger brother, Seth Jones. So there's another Texas connection for you. Mm -hmm. Who's six one. They have him listed at one ninety four, and Sikoni is six two two twenty two. So, I mean, he's, even if you look at the forwards, you think he's other than, no, they got a couple of big forwards down there, but he's one of the bigger guys they have on the team overall and the biggest guy they have on the blue line. So, I mean, he has that going for him. So if they want to keep, maybe bring him in as the seventh guy to maybe throw him out against a team that's a little slower and you need, or slower or bigger and you need that net front presence, then maybe there's that. But on the surface, I would say, I don't know that it would necessarily look good for him. Well, for the sake of USA hockey, I wouldn't, for the, for the build, the team construction, I hope, they don't put him on the roster for that type of reason because that's what was wrong with the World Cup roster where they made decisions. They, they didn't pick the best players. They made decisions based off matchups. Yeah. That didn't even really work out well. Um, so he's that's true. If, they're go, if they want to go in with an identity of just speed and getting the puck up and down the ice, then probably not. But that would be the element that he would bring if they were to have him on the roster. Yeah, I, I, I said, I think it's a good sign that he's there. I think it's a good sign he's in the selection camp. I don't think he'll be on the roster. If he is, it'll be a pleasant surprise. Um, mm-hmm. But I, th- I think that's something a positive for him being there. Um, overall, we have, he's one of five stars prospects who are in selection camps. Um, we have Marcus Russo, who is fighting, is uh, in, in goalie prospect Marcus Russo who's in camp with Finland and could uh haven't gotten really a read for who's going to be the starter there who's going to be the starting goalie there but he could have a chance we could have a chance to see him play um a high international level uh Frederick Karlstrom is with in camp with Sweden he's a forward um Denis Garyanov is in on on Russia's uh in Russia's team camp technically he was a late cut a late cut last year after a bad slash in a pre-tournament game. And uh, Andre Vala, who is the one that kind of everyone forgets about, is he will be, if he's not on the Czech team, I'd be shocked, but he's, he's on the Czech roster for the uh, WHL guy who they signed uh, after Traverse City. Was he, he was a late ad too, wasn't he? Or who was the other late ad? I know that there was someone else that they, the Stars released Sacconi and someone else were late ads to their respective uh, camps. Um, well, Gurionov just left for camp. Gurionov played in the AHL on Saturday. So, uh, so, so maybe that was what. So Gurionov, I don't know. Gurionov played in a uh, played for Texas on Saturday and then went to is gotcha. Now now joined the Russian team and he's uh, gotcha. I'm interested to see what he can do in that camp because I'm in, you know, in camp in, in, in World Junior because I'm assuming Garyanov will be on the team now because um, um, I think it's going to be a real fun opportunity to see him against his peer group because Garyanov mm-hmm. is fast and he's made an impact in the AHL and he's, and he's, and he's, been, and he's been doing a good job. But 
I think we'll get a real good idea of how far along he actually is when in a tournament against his peers where he's not playing, where he's not a 19-year-old just playing against uh, – who's just playing against men with a, in a league with a de facto 21-year-old age limit. Right. It'll be a better litmus test for where he is as a player as opposed to what he's done in the AHL. That's why it's kind of difficult when you get young guys like this who are playing in the KHL or playing in the pro leagues in Sweden or Finland. It's a lot more difficult to get a true read of who, well, I guess in Kanoff's case in the AHL too, it's a lot more difficult to get a true read off of what they can be as a player just from looking at their stats mm-hmm. because a lot of times these are guys who aren't getting as high of minutes. And obviously there's the fact that they're playing against grown men. So the stats aren't always going to be there for these guys. So it, it's a lot more of a better comparison to see what they're able to do against guys their own age, guys who are more their size, more their maturity level. Mm-hmm. I've watched a little bit. The, the guys I'm interested to watch, I'm actually I'm interested to see Car- if he makes the team. I'm interested to see what Karlstrom can be uh, for Sweden because I've obviously I've seen a bunch of Garyanov live now. Um, I've seen I've seen Vala play. I've watched some of his games in the WHL. I've seen some of what Sassoni has done in uh, w- with Michigan, and I've, I've seen a little bit of Russo's game and seen a little bit of Russo in person. But Karlstrom's kind of the uh, just for my eyes is kind of the guy I'm interested to learn the most about, just because hard to watch uh, hard to watch Swedish elite games over here, and so I haven't got to see much of what he act- <laughs> so haven't got a chance to see much of what he looks like other than a, t- a two day development camp this past summer. And he'll have a good team if he makes it. Yeah, around him too. They got some good players on that team. They're, um, I think he got hurt early because he's not on their development roster. But Tim Lilligren, defenseman, who I think a lot of people are projecting to go top three this year. I don't know if he's playing in this tournament, but that'd be a big loss for them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know they his health status. Good forwards on that team. I'm interested to see just Finland in general. They have a young team. Mm-hmm. They only have nine guys who've already been drafted and then everyone else on their team is eligible this summer for the draft. That's and uh, a pretty young team. Is PRV on that team? No. He's not on that team? I don't think... They don't have him on the road. They don't have him... I'm looking at a... Well, I guess this one was, was updated a week ago from TSN. So I don't know. I don't know if Edmonton released him. I didn't read anything with they even asked... Maybe I could have swore that they said they didn't, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Edmonton did that too. If they, let's see. Um, dun, 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 dun. Let's let's use the uh, using our. Uh, yeah, it says uh, yeah. PRV's not with them. He will. He's not playing for for Finland. Gotcha. Um, which fin- the Oilers have a history of doing this. If you remember, with uh, when Leon Dreisaitl wanted to play for Germany in World Juniors, I do remember that, and they didn't let him go. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not saying, and I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know the whole situation with uh, PRV, but it's it's an interesting. There's a uh, it's an interesting setup because I don't. He's a guy who. Maybe he could have benefited and, and built some confidence from playing for. Well, it, that's a, that's a debate that we 
Oilers uh, enough. There's, I'm sure there's enough radio shows in Edmonton that have discussed it already. So go Google that or something. Right. <laughs> there you go. I'm interested to see Vala too because he's going to be on a Czech team that is going to be admittedly overmatched. So he'll be mm-hmm. asked to play a bigger role. So I'm interested to see what he looks like against some of the faster teams, how he plays with it. Because he's big. He's a big player, and he's playing in the WHL. Mm-hmm. But I'm interested to see what he uh, what he can do, how, how he can play with the speed against some of the better teams. That's something I'll be interested to watch. Um, and personally, I'd like to see Marcus Russo be the starter for Finland, just because I'd like to see I'd like to see what he looks like in a, a big game situation. That would definitely be a huge bonus for Stars fans, I think, this tournament, because that'd give you. I mean, obviously, with some of these other guys, I mean, you get a little bit of a rooting interest. But I mean, when you have a goalie out there, that's a lot. Obviously, there's a lot more at stake when you have a guy like that out there. That'd be a good way for him to spur it to kind of take. Not necessarily the next step in his career, but that would be a really good way for him to make himself a little bit more known in the Stars prospect pool among fans. And it would be a good way for him to show the front office that they might have a good one in him. And and scouts are, uh, and believe me, everyone... Scouts flock to this tournament. And, and, and the best way you can, here's how you can tell, here's my favorite example for it, whether it's in the AHL or the NHL. Um, there's usually a good amount of press. There's usually a good amount of scouts in the press box at both the NHL and the AHL throughout the season. Um, scouts are watching hockey. Um, that's their job. Uh, however, during this the week between Christmas and New Year's, it's often the list is sometimes there's no one there because they're all in. They're all they've all been sent to go watch World Junior. So it's it's a fun it's a fun tournament it's, it's certainly one it's also one, it's one of those things on kind of my hockey bucket list that I'd like to go see in person at some point because um, it's it's a hell of a tournament that would be cool um, no that's under 18 I was looking at that too it's in Buffalo next year is it yeah it's not far it's in Vancouver it, it, the year after that it's in the same country far as the far as a right. bit of a stretch I guess <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that I'd I don't know that I'd want to go to Buffalo this time of year. Yeah. I'm having an I'm having a difficult enough time being in Ohio this time of year. I don't think I can handle Buffalo. All right, so there's a phenomenon that you won't be able to answer, but I need to complain about this because there there has to be somebody from Texas who's actually listening to this and can tell me that if this is if this is normal or not. So the other day I walk into the rink, I I drive down to the American Airlines Center. On Saturday, before the Flyers game, head down, get down there around ten thirty, and when I walk in, it's sixty-five degrees outside. Sixty-five people are outside running in shorts. It's a beautiful day. I get out of the arena around five thirty, six o'clock, and it's twenty-eight degrees. <laughs> now I'm used to cold. I, I've I've spent my fair share of time in cold places like where Ryan you are right now but is this no I mean and you don't know the answer to this but someone in Texas needs to answer this question or tweet at me and let me know is do I have to get used to temperature in Dallas dropping from 65 to 28 is that something I have to get used to because I I can't in a single day that's annoying I just I can't deal with that weather (laughs) 
we change that in Colorado sometimes. Not necessarily. I don't remember if we ever really got it in one day like that. But I mean, you get one day where it was sixty-five and sunny, and then the next day it was zero. And granted, that's it's a little different when it's two straight days and not the same day, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I got my shorts on," and then you come outside and, "Oh crap, I just got frostbite." There's also mountains in Colorado. There's mountains that make that 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 throw that out of whack. I don't see any mountains when I look I out my Dallas. No, oh, I guess just... no. I've never been. I've never been to Texas. I don't know what you have down there. <laughs> I didn't pay attention in my geography class. Well, you passed your biology exam, so good job. <laughs> relevant completely relevant look at this we're just uh so what do you think um connecting to last week speaking of relevance what do you think the cowboys win last night means for the stars oh man uh probably bad news because the stars arguably probably played their best hockey this week in a while coming off a cowboys loss so if we're following that trend it's probably not going to bode well for Dallas. The Stars, that is, not the Cowboys. Do you think we can? Do you think if they win Tuesday, that changes that trend? <laughs> I hope. I possibly. It would definitely be a place to start. But I mean, that's going. St. Louis is going to be tough. So if we're looking for, I mean, it'd be one thing if they were playing like Vancouver or something, where you're like, oh, they should beat them. But that's a game that they could legitimately end up not winning. So, oh, this is a. Uh, it, It'll be interesting to see. This is an interesting week too. You've got uh, St. Louis on Tuesday, and uh, and then I'm not sure what I'm going to do with myself. There's three days between games before they play LA on Friday. Um, they, uh, those are two tough tests, and those are two teams that, if you look at how they play, you could argue could be matchup problems for Dallas. So it'll be it will be yes. an interesting week. Yes, it will. I really, to it. I really hope for story. A lot of hockey. I really hope for storylines, just for storylines, and I'm not uh, not rooting for anyone to get hurt. But if maybe Jeff Zakoff could like miss a bus or something like that, and like uh, be unavailable to play Friday, and then maybe uh, the Kings could call up Jack Campbell for Friday night. Uh, I'm just. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm, po- I'm pushing, I'm poking things with sticks now. I realize that, but I would like that as a journalist for the storylines. That'd be fun to write. And then Jack Campbell comes in and posts a shutout. Oh man, Stars fans would have a field day with that one. Yes. No, he would come in relief. Let's be honest. He'd come in. Peter Budai would start. That's- Peter Budai would start, and it would be, and then there would be like his skate lace would break or something like that, and Campbell would come in, and then he'd be really good in relief, and then he'd go start, and, and he'd made 25 saves in relief, and including 17 on the power play, and then, but then the next game, he'd, he'd, then the Kings would start in the next game, and he'd get rocked for six goals. So that's what would happen. So basically, World Juniors, Jack Campbell. Basically, just Jack Campbell. Fair. <laughs> Fair. 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 Well, anything- anyway, to wrap up, wrap up the World Juniors talk, who do you think wins? The tournament, not the first games. I should elaborate. I'm um, going with, i got to go with the Americans, right? I mean, it's, if, if, if it's going to be a fun group to watch and it's a cop-out, but it's going to be, I think this is a team that 
with the forward talent and with what we're going to see, I think they'll score a lot of goals and I think they'll win. They're due for a gold medal. They haven't won one the last three years. Mm-hmm. Granted, they've only medaled once the last three years. So I think they're due. I mean, this is, I want to say this was primarily the group that won under 18 worlds in 2015. So that, should bode well for them. Not necessarily that under 18 golds translates that well to under 20s, because if it did, then the United States would completely dominate this tournament, which just has not necessarily happened. But I think it's the year of the American at World Junior. It better be. Yep. If we lose to Canada again, I'm going to be pissed. I've lost a... Uh... I've America's lost. taken too many L's this year. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I lost coffee bets to uh, I lost. I've lost coffee bets the past couple of years to Texas Stars coach Derek Laxtell on the result of the USA Canada games at World Junior. So, oh, it's cost me. It's cost me actually. <laughs> yeah, all of what three dollars and fifty-seven cents. Actually, I don't know what coffee costs down there because you guys don't have pennies, do you? I believe, believe me, we wish we had Tim Hortons down here. Look at me talking all this crap about how America is better than Canada, and I drink Tim Hortons. I'm a sellout. I, I would love some Tim Hortons coffee, actually. That would be really I good. I had one yesterday. It was the hottest cup of Tim Hortons I've ever gotten from the one at in Bowling Green, and I was very happy. Normally, it's just kind of lukewarm, and this one was piping hot, and it was perfect. On that note, I'm going to go. Oh. <laughs> well, sh- shit, I'm probably going to go get me a cup of that right now if I'm going to have to go stand outside in negative five-degree temperature to look at zoo lights tonight. Fair enough. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. Um, if you're still listening at this point, you really are a loyal. <laughs> you really are a loyal listener. Let us. If you make it to the end, uh, tweet me your address. Uh, not your address. If you make it all the way to the end, tweet me, and uh, we'll make sure to say Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah or whatever to you for making it all the way through this podcast. So, we appreciate your listenership. And if you don't hear from me next week, it's because I died of frostbite tonight. Well, everyone have a happy holidays, and uh, we'll talk on uh, Boxing Day, speaking of Canadian holidays.